I hope you're doing well today. Uh, before we get started on the topic, I just want to remind you again about our website, healingcare.org. A lot of information there about upcoming events, uh, resources that you can purchase. So when you get a chance, I'd encourage you to go there. And if we don't have your email address, I would encourage you to go there and submit your email address because we'll be able to then contact you about any good things that are coming up that you may be interested in. I also want to remind you that I have this new book out called From Broken to Beloved. Uh, I'm going to be doing an online event around that book, but want to encourage you if you feel so led to, to buy it. You can get it on Amazon and some other book sites. Let's pray. Father, we come, as always, in the strong name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would unleash your Holy Spirit to minister to us as we spend this time together. You are good. All that you do is good. And this is a time when we need you desperately. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So some time ago, I had been invited to a ministerium, and I was asked to give a presentation on what we do at Healing Care Ministries, and of course, I was very excited about doing that, because there's a lot of pastors and a lot of members of churches that, well, they struggle, and we want to be a resource for them when that happens. I'm uh, very grateful for all those kinds of opportunities. Now, at this particular ministerium, um, they, they had a devotional and they had some business to take care of, and then I was to speak. And during the business discussion, it came up that they as a group were working on a home, a Habitat for Humanity home, that they then would be allowing someone to live in. And uh, all these pastors and their people were doing that. And as they discussed it, one pastor he got a little bit irritated because they were bringing up names and situations of individuals that could in fact use this kind of support. And he got rather angry because someone mentioned a couple that was in need, but the couple was not married. And by the way, this is an overall good guy. And he pastors a church and he serves people and he preaches the gospel of Christ, but he really got extremely vocal and uncomfortable about the notion that, quote, two people shacking up together should be rewarded by having an opportunity to live in a Habitat for Humanity home. As he began to go down that road, I remember that I started to think about the nature of God's grace. See, God's grace doesn't really make sense. And it's not based on performance, and it's not based on the fact that we're straightening up our life before we can receive grace. I guess that old definition of grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, comes to play here that the true nature of grace is the giving of good things to people who otherwise do not deserve it, like the grace that God has shown all of us, that he would send his son across the globe that we might receive life in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an accusation that came against Jesus several times in the Gospels. It goes something like this. Uh, the, the religious leaders would say, this man 
welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. And this man, of course, they were talking about was Jesus. And this was contrary to what folks believed was right. And they really spoke out against Jesus' willingness to embrace those that were broken and realized this idea of eating with someone back then was an idea of honoring them. And they were angry. How can you honor a sinner? But part of it was because they couldn't really understand the power of God's grace. Now, I know I've mentioned this scripture before, but I want to bring it up again. As a matter of fact, I want to read it to you and that we can parse it out a little bit. It comes in Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not even need to repent. There's a lot here. And I mentioned recently the notion of loss doesn't simply mean eternally, but it means that people get lost in life. I talked about that relative to the idea of Zacchaeus. Well, here we have it again. But some of the things that really stand out, besides this statement that Jesus was receiving criticism because he ate with sinners, is Jesus tells a parable about someone who leaves the 99 and goes after the lost sheep. He seeks for them. He's not seeking them in a way to put them down or to imprison, uh, to castigate for them getting wandering. It's for them wandering. It's he's seeking them because he wants to help them. He wants to embrace them. He wants to carry them. He wants to bring them home. He wants to keep them safe. He wants them to be free. I go back to something that I've said more than one time that my earliest experience of going to church gave me the impression that if God was ever out looking for me, it was not a good thing. If he was looking for me, it was because he wanted to find me and grab me by the collar and tell me about all the things I'm doing wrong and warn me about eternal damnation. But that's not what it says here, does it? That our Lord is always seeking. And he's seeking in order that he can embrace those that are simply lost in life. It's why Christ came here. There was a, um, a long poem. It has 182 verses, actually, by a man named Francis Thompson. He, he lived in the latter part of the 19th and I think a couple years into the 20th century. And he wrote this poem called The Hound of Heaven. 
the hound of heaven. And the centerpiece of the poem is representing the fact that God in his grace and in his love is determined to track us down in the midst of our brokenness, to find us. Do you remember this story? I think I've mentioned this before. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve fall, it's God that goes looking for them. Where are you? He states. And still today, in countless ways, God is calling out that he wants to find those that are lost in life. And he wants to love them. And he wants to care for them. That's the bottom line of the gospel. That's, that's what excites us about the ministry of Jesus. Now, now, let's just concentrate for a moment together on this idea that it says that there's rejoicing here. And in the parable, the person who found the lost sheep goes and gathers, gathers friends and says, rejoice with me. But then it goes on to say, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. I want you to think about that for a moment. Jesus doesn't come to us when he finally embraces us and says, finally, I can't believe you've given me such a hard time. Do you know how long I've been out looking for you? No. And he doesn't even say, you better straighten up Don't you realize what's going to happen on the other side? It says that all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven. Wow, the the, the ramifications of that are just too hard for me to wrap my head around. Somehow heaven knows when we've been lost and confused, when we're not living in the embrace of Christ, when we're not walking the way of Jesus, the way Jesus walked the way. Heaven knows And I wonder if there's a degree to which with Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit, they're interceding, they're hoping. And then it says they rejoice. It brings God joy. It brings Jesus joy, the Holy Spirit joy when we allow him to embrace us and to bring us home to the heart of God. You are aware, I'm sure, that in the next parable about the lost coins, it adds another dimension and talks about the fact that There's rejoicing that happens in the presence of angels. The presence of angels. When one person turns back home to God. So what's the point I'm trying to make? Well, there's several here. One of them is you're aware. And by the way, I was just talking about this yesterday on a podcast I was being interviewed um, on a podcast called All Things Wesley, and I said, you know, outside the church, people think that we major in judgment, that we want to point our fingers at people and tell them what they're doing wrong. And maybe there has been a history of that being true of the community of Christ, but that's not Jesus. No, 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 that's not Jesus. What we see in Jesus is an expression of the incredible love of God. And I think Jesus is inviting us that we can join with heaven, that it would bring us joy when we learn of somebody who is lost and struggling in life and they have found their way in Jesus. 
But I think it goes beyond us rejoicing. I think it, it's evidencing that we should care about that. Care about those that are lost in life and may be lost as they step beyond this life. And what does that mean? God, identify them to us. Help us to pray for them. Help us to connect with them. May we live out the glory of the gospel before them. And when we have the opportunity, may, they t- may we tell them the good story of Jesus, the story of his grace. There are a lot of people that are struggling right now. And I think they need a good word, and there is no better word, no better news than the good news of Jesus Christ, that he's out seeking for them. He longs for them. He loves them. And he wants to bring them into his arms to a place of safety, a place of wholeness, a place of care. We are his servants. We are his ambassadors. We are here to be his, if you will, his evangelists, his messengers. May we pray. Let God bring onto your heart someone right now. And you may find that in praying for them, suddenly they're right there in your presence. And may you care. And may it be that your life shows that there's something different about Christianity in terms of the degree of God's embracing love. And may you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the courage to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I am so grateful for the people many years ago that shared that with me. Let's look for that opportunity. 